Resiliency Within, with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute, Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well-being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within, and I also want to remind our listeners that we're also on Facebook Live at Resiliency Within Facebook page. So I am so very excited to have our guest today. I think if there is ever a time to think about how we can really wrap our arms around the children of our world, um, the crises of the last month um, has really etched in all of, I think, our minds and our hearts, how we have to think about how do we create empathy and understanding, um, not only in ourselves as adults, but helping children understand this. So this the show today is called Building Bridges Through Empathy and Understanding. Um, we are so lucky to have three of the principal people that work with Empatico. Um, I'm going to have them describe what Empatico actually is, but their mission is to empower school-age students all around the globe to form meaningful connections with themselves, each other, and the world so that we can foster a more empathic world. Um, they've found that empathy is a critical skill that allows us to feel what others feel. They call that emotional empathy, to understand what others think and feel, cognitive empathy, and to take action on those feelings and understanding, which is called behavioral empathy. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about each guest, and then um, we're going to turn the show over to them, and they're going to share the um, the most important work that they're doing around the world. So the first is Ryan Majeski. He's the executive director at Empatico where he uses his 25 years of technology for good expertise to build empathy in students, helping them connect with themselves, each other, and the world. Formerly, Ryan built the top-grossing literacy app, which I'm very impressed about, Reading Rainbow, and UNICEF Kid Power, where students have used their activity to help save the lives of over 100,000 severely malnourished children around the world. Ryan lives in Los Angeles with his wife and three school-aged children. Travis Hardy is a senior director of programs at Empatico. He develops programs and content to expand Empatico's reach and increase its impact alongside educators, researchers, like-minded organizations, funders, schools, and other educational institutions. He joined Empatico after five years in the New York City Mayor's Office for International Affairs, where he led a virtual exchange program connecting students to global peers. He lives in Norwalk, Connecticut, and he has a great cat that we've heard about earlier today called Cyclone. So Avani Mack is an international baccalaureate coordinator at Shepherd Elementary School. She works with school leadership and teachers to implement the IB Primary Years Program, which emphasizes inquiry-based learning, internationally-mindedness, and social-emotional learning. She has also partnered with embassies and studies abroad vendors to build empathy and cultural understanding. Um, in classrooms, and as a Fulbright, Fulbright scholar, she explored how to, to infuse diverse perspectives into her school's curriculum and culture. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And as we get started today, 
I'm going to ask each one of you what's on your mind. So I am going to go ahead and start with Ryan. And Ryan, what's on your mind as we get started today? You know, uh, I've been thinking a lot lately, especially about um, how to be a builder and how to be putting good work into the world and building towards a brighter future, especially when things are um, feel like they're falling apart. Mm-hmm. And one step of that, I think, is uh, agreeing to allow um, yourself to to choose the direction, right? Like there are people who are going to be putting things back together, but you also need people who are going to be building the whole time. And and we're running a, a world kindness uh, challenge campaign this week uh, and through the next month. And just the idea of putting kindness out into the world, encouraging people to be kind in the world. I've put a lot of thought and, and energy into that right now. So that's, that's what I'm thinking about. I love that. I often say on the show, what else is true? And I think kindness exists. And I think we just need to nourish it, put a lot of attention on it. So I love that you have that campaign this week. So um, Avani, to you next. Hi, everyone. I would like to share. I feel what's on my mind currently is really uh, teacher wellness and really supporting our teachers. Um, I'm consistently amazed by the work that they produce, how they show up for students every day. And um, in my role as coordinator, I'm always looking for different ways to support them, to come alongside them, um, and to help them. Um, I know as we enter the holidays, you know, it's a challenging time for a lot of our teachers. And I'm just brainstorming different ways that I can be a partner um, in that work um, so that they're not alone because we need our teachers and they're so important to the work that we do um, and to our discussion today in terms of building empathy um, in our students. So that's currently what's on my mind. Oh, I, I love that. And, you know, seeing I work with teachers all over around the world as well. And I think that teachers are called upon um, to do things that are so difficult, along with, you know, teaching our children how to read and write and um, the other components that are so important in their life. But I think over the last few years with the pandemic, with some of the divisiveness that we've seen in the world, it's been very hard. I love the way you said it too, alongside with, because I think that's um a way that I try to be with folks because there's so much richness that comes with teachers as they tell us about their creativeness and ideas that they have. Thank you, Avani, for that. So Travis, over to you. Honestly, I was going to say something very similar to Ryan. I mean, you mentioned, Elaine, the the crises uh, in the world right now, and it's a really the news is just feels relentless at times, but I'm really holding space for that. What else is true and that we are a week away from uh, World Kindness Day and seeing the kind acts that teachers are telling us that their students are doing and seeing those emails come in every day from bigger actions like students taking action to uh, package food for a local nonprofit to really small things like helping appear with homework has been uh, really powerful to just hear the, the good that is happening in the world too. Thank you, Travis. And, you know, after hearing what all of you are saying, I mean, what all you're saying is a perfect segue to talk about Empatico and what you do in the world. Um, And so let's get started um, with some of the questions that we've prepared. So the first one is, what is the story behind Empatico and what was the goal of setting it up in the first place? Yeah, well, Empatico started a little bit more than five years ago. Uh, uh, Travis was there from the very beginning. 
helping uh, put together this program, which, you know, you have to put yourself into a, a pre-COVID uh, mindset and think about what the world was like before everyone was on a Zoom call. We were on a Zoom call here, but five years ago, this would be completely unheard of. And Empatica was born as a way to uh, bridge divides and create cultural understanding and, and bring people together who might not um, have that opportunity among school-aged children. Uh, we're, we're a product of the work of Daniel Lebetsky, who uh, founded the Kind Bars and Sacks Company. And his life work, his philanthropic work is to build bridges. And I like to think of him as like a activist centrist. You know, he sees divisions in the world and people um, not hearing each other and not, not communicating with each other. And his work uh, philanthropically is always about bringing people together in all these different ways. And Empatico is the school-aged version of that vision. And what we did to make that real is Empatico was originally conceived of a, as a platform that connected educators from around the world and allowed them to set up video calls between their classroom and another classroom, uh, you know, somewhere somewhere else around the world, and just um, have a, a conversation. We had a lot of programmatic content that helped them, and Travis helped create all of this, uh, helped them facilitate a good good conversation. And you know, we had some really really great um, uh, conversations and, and connections between classrooms over the years. Travis, do you have anything else to add to that? I maybe would just add that you know the platform has evolved over the years too and with the needs the changing landscape uh, of education and what we hear from teachers um, to build that community among teachers but also again support them in bringing empathy into the classroom in whatever way we can and, and helps them do that Ms. Avani do you have anything you'd like to add I think from the educator um, perspective, I've just seen um, the impact that it's had in the classroom and just having uh, the variety of resources and tools for bringing such a, a big concept such as empathy, even down to the primary years. Um, I think the mission and everything that the organization is about is exactly what teachers need because in my conversations with them, they want to build students who have empathy, um, but sometimes it's just how, you know? And the thing that's great about Empatico is they've carefully crafted hundreds of resources um, where teachers can literally go to the library, filter through whatever the needs are for their classroom, and they have those resources um, right at their fingertips. And I feel like that's so invaluable. Um, and for any educator that's looking to, um, you know, build empathy in their classroom and their school, I would just highly recommend um, looking into Empatico. And Ivani, would you think too, the way that you describe it, that it makes it more accessible since the library is available, that I imagine there's school teachers from all different schools around the world that mm -hmm. if you can go in there and kind of go, oh, well, this one would work for my students. Do you feel that it makes it more accessible um, and that they can adapt some of these um, resources to their particular school? Yeah, I, I do feel that way. All of their resources are framework aligned. Um, so depending on, and I guess we'll talk more about the framework later, but 
But depending on which portion of the framework that you're working on, you can literally filter um, through whether it's, you know, developing empathy um, within your students, others in the world, um, depending on the type of empathy that they're looking to build within their students, whether it's behavioral, cognitive, emotional, um, they're all there and it's for a variety of ages. Um, and so I, I feel that it's highly accessible um, and a great tool um, for all ed educators around the world. Yeah, Thank you. One of the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan, that's great, go ahead. Oh, one of the things that we took on in the last couple of years is to expand the notion of Empatico beyond the idea of just connecting classrooms with each other. Just, it's a lot of work and it's a really <laughs> incredible thing. But we wanted to take it uh, to the next level. And that next level was, as Ivani was saying, our goal is to connect students with themselves, each other, and the world. And so the uh, connecting them with the world is that inter-class virtual exchange experiences. And what we've done over the last couple of years is developed this library that Ivani was talking about that allows students to find activities that are empathy building within our framework, which we'll, we'll talk about soon that allows students to connect with themselves and each other through mindful practices in the classroom or activities. And we have a whole uh, giant library of, of activities that are, you know, for any sort of subject matter, language learning, art, science, all that stuff. It helps bring social social learning into the classroom in ways that, that help teachers um, satisfy their day. Well, so, you know, some teachers may be thinking about this as they're listening to you speak. So um, how can a teacher access this information? Is there a fee to get into the library or, you know, uh, do you have to have a library card? Okay, who's going to answer this one for me? <laughs> well, uh, I can answer it. You can go to empatico.org. Uh, it's a completely free program. One of the great things about being a nonprofit is that we don't have to... Uh, you know, maximize uh, revenue. So uh, it's completely free. Will always be free. There's no, there's no tricks or, or schemes or scams. Uh, you just sign up and you have access to a, a, a world of educators that are like-minded that you can connect with. A uh, huge library of resources. The only thing that we do require is that you be uh, an educator to join. Uh, we don't necessarily encourage or. Um, think it's appropriate for individual families to join because our idea is to connect classrooms to classrooms. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we want to make sure it's an equitable relationship between the two classrooms that are speaking. Although I'll say educator, uh, I don't say teacher, I, I like to say educator because that could mean um, coordinators and people like Ivani, of course, educators mm -hmm. in the classroom, but also after school programs, uh, faith-based groups, um, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, and any, um, iteration of that anywhere around the world. We don't want to be limiting to our American idea of what a classroom in a school has to look like, but it does have to be, uh, when you join, we ask you, what is your school? And you have to name it so we know that you're you're in a real place and not just some oh, random person. Oh, go ahead. I'm a, I'm a social worker. So can a social worker in a school join as well? Yeah, Are they so in the educational arena? My definition of an educator is anyone who is in charge of you know, nurturing the lives of you know kids who are not their own. You know, several kids, a group of children, a group of students. Okay, okay. You know, we're, we're K through twelve. Uh, I'm forty seven, so I think eighteen year olds are kids uh, at this point. That's my problem. I'm not going to tell you how old I am because <laughs> to me, Ryan. So there you go. Yeah. But I do think, it, you know, as a social worker or as a resource um, uh, professional, 
absolutely you can show up, find our library, find usefulness in it, and bring stuff into your practice. But when it comes to connecting with another classroom, uh, you know, if you're an administrator, a principal, a coordinator, you know, anything like that, we, we try to leave that part of it to the educators in the classroom. I understand that now. Okay, so now I've got another question. So how has Empatico evolved in the last few years with the pandemic and the evolving education landscape? So who would like to tackle that one first? I can go. I mean, I think Ryan really touched on the the big thing is the the evolving to be beyond just the virtual connections to offering these other types of ways for educators to bring empathy into the classroom. And we have kind of grouped it into three categories of daily practices, which are those kind of brain break activities for teachers or a morning meeting, something to start off your day with something based in social emotional learning, like Ryan mentioned, like a mindfulness practice. Then there are classroom activities, which is more like an in-depth lesson plan that might cover a full class period to help build empathetic norms in a classroom. And then finally, those virtual exchanges, which support live exchanges or asynchronous dialogue with uh, another classroom somewhere else in the world. So I'm just wondering, could could maybe one of you, or maybe you would do this, Travis, can you give us an example? I know that I've been fortunate to sit in on some of your um, the uh, webinars that you've done, and I have just been so inspired by hearing two teachers talk about bringing kids together from different experiences. And then all of a sudden you see this exchange where the children light up and, but the, but the teachers light up too. So anyway, I, I would love for, for one of you or all of you to give us a little real story of that because- that's really powerful. Yeah, well, uh, I think my favorite story in the last year, because I don't know, it's just, I love it when they're they're cute stories or there's like a, a, and especially when kids and students, I'll say, meet each other's equals is really really important to me uh, when we set up these relationships between classrooms that there isn't a, an imbalance of power, right? You want to make sure that people are equally empowered on both sides to be participants in the conversation, which is just another level of, of uh, you know, care we have to take in the work. And we had a, uh, an exchange last winter that we were lucky enough to be uh, part of. And we were like, you brought a, a film crew in to, to film it. And it was a, a classroom in, was it Pittsburgh, Travis? In Pennsylvania. That was, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh. That was a primarily Christian classroom. And we had another classroom in Irvine, California, that was uh, predominantly a Muslim classroom. And the two kids, uh, the two groups of students got together and were talking about their winter traditions together. And, uh, the, you know, the students in, in Irvine were talking about Eid and all their traditions and, and just their, their, their practices. And the kids in Pittsburgh uh, talked about Christmas. And one of, my, one of the most adorable things to me uh, was how their their Christmas traditions were like um, the NORAD tracker for Santa. Um, you know, like what it is to be a tradition is just so, you know, these kids, you know, they this is how, this is their tradition. Or uh, one family dressed in the same, you know, uh, jumpsuit, you know, costume every year. And so there was like this, this sort of... Uh, imbalance of like what it was to be a, a tradition because uh, the, you know the kids in California were taking a more um, traditional approach to that uh, which is just really sweet to watch but I think the most important or the most exciting thing for me and this is the part they didn't make it onto the camera is that there was a, a young lady in the class in Pittsburgh who actually was from Lebanon and um, she spoke Arabic 
French and English. And, you know, she was so empowered and proud and was able to be like an ambassador to say like, you know, I might be the outsider in this classroom. Like, you know, we have different traditions, but look at all these people. And she was able to sort of like facilitate this conversation and you could see uh, the the empowerment within her. And, and that to me was like my favorite part of the conversation. Oh, I mean, I think especially with what's going on in the world right now, this that story is particularly poignant and important to hear that that's possible. You know, you you mentioned something, Ryan, and, I, and I, this kind of piggybacks into a question that keeps popping up for me. And when you said that your founder was a, um, a centrist activist, and when I hear this, you know, how do we bring people to the center that may have differences yet similarities? Is that what that means? I don't want to make an assumption. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I say that, I think, and I know Travis and Ivani could also chime in, but I feel like the people who want to be in the center, define that as you will, uh, don't necessarily feel like they need to speak up or or maybe aren't as activated enough to speak up about things. And that allows people on the extremes, again, define as you will, uh, to have their voices be the loudest in the room and and pull, you know, pull communities apart. And I think what Daniel does so well in the lessons I take from him are to say, you know, in this idea of bringing people back together, of of wanting communities to be whole, uh, you can stand up and have a loud voice in that space. Like there's there's room for that. And that's the type of activism that I think he, I don't know if he would say it's activism, but it's the act, kind of activism that he promotes and that I feel uh, Empatico also uh, brings to the table. I you know, when as you say that, of course, I'm thinking about Israel and Palestine. And sure. I think Many people are probably thinking about the same thing. With your organization, have you thought about how that might be? Or maybe you're already working in those spaces? Because that's certainly what you just described could be happening anywhere in the world. And I think with children, maybe we have the hope of you know, unwinding in them what may not have been winded with the adults if we have if they have the opportunity, I think, to hear about Empatico's message and lessons and empathy. So that's, that's a question for all of you. I know we didn't plan that one, but I think it's an important one in what's happening in the world right now. Well, I, I do think it's really important to think about how we're educating our children moving forward in the world and and to say that all these things aren't pre-programmed, but they're learned. And, um, you know, Daniel has a, a constellation of philanthropies, some that are dedicated almost entirely to um Israel and Palestinian work, and and I uh, am privileged enough to to leave the the hard work to them. And you know, as I was saying before, we are are in the space where we can uh, be building towards a, a brighter future. I mean, I think what's happening there is um, you know between you know, the 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 attacks on Israel, the attacks on God. Like, there's no good answer, and, and I just I'm I personally am very overwhelmed by yeah. what's happening uh, every day there. Yeah, I, that has certainly happened to me. I, I want to say something too, because it, it, um, it, it feeds into um, uh, last week on my show, I had um, doc, 
Dr. Leslie Carroll. She's a Presbyterian minister from Belfast. And I had her on on purpose because of what's happening in the world, but I think it fits into what we're talking about. And especially, I think, what is possible with Empatico and, and the, the mission that you have. And I, I and she, you know, grew up as a child, you know, and just it was hell. And she said, well, she says, what I learned, because she now has devoted her life to peacemaking and reconciliation, was that there are always people working towards peace on both sides. You might mm. not know who they are, but that can be cultivated and nourished. Um, and that was the kind of the gist of, to me, what was the most important thing that she said. And those people will be working now, even with what's happening and after. And when I hear about your work, I mean, I'm just going to say to all three of you, I think you're doing that. And I think if we can do that as as a society, again, what else is true about the world, that we do have some, you know, I'm a very hopeful, optimistic person. So I don't know, any comment about what I just said from maybe Ivani or Travis? Yeah, I would like to share that, you know, I think virtual exchange um, is such a powerful tool as our world becomes increasingly interconnected. And um, just along the subject of, you know, connecting students at an early age, um, it's shown it can change their trajectory in terms of being more open-minded adults. And I think that's one of the um, powerful things, especially with this tool. Um, and one of the things as a coordinator and a prior teacher that I'm excited about is, just this idea that you can expose students from diverse backgrounds around the world through this medium. And you can start those conversations now. Um, it can be conversations about traditions or what a typical school day is like in your country and kind of looking at the similarities and differences. But I think the earlier that we just help build this understanding that um, at our core, we're all humans, right? Um, and we all deserve um, we all have human rights and things that we deserve. And because someone may think differently from you, you still should treat them with respect and empathy and just kind of really being able to build that into their minds at such a young age. I'm excited to see who they become as adults and um, the issues that they help to solve in our world. Well, Avani, well I think, go ahead, go ahead, Brian. Yes. Oh, I think one of the, like, the high-minded goals of Empatico that like impossible to measure uh, sort of ideals that we're reaching for is that the idea that if we can help students at a young age connect with other cultures and other people uh, that are different than themselves and different than their community, we are taking steps to inoculate them against hate and inoculate them against uh, being susceptible to propaganda and all these things. Like, So if, if someone comes to them in 30 years and says, the people from this place, uh, they're the worst, and, you know, they can say to themselves, well, you know, I met one, I met a whole classroom, and they seem like you and me, like we we all eat fruit we for breakfast. Like that. Yeah, we all like pizza. Like I think we're the same. And that's that's really one of our, our main goals um, that we're aiming for. And it can be that simple. I love that you said we all like pizza. That you know, we can we can share that common humanity. You know, we just have a couple of minutes left before we go on break, and I want to give Travis a, a, a if you want to say something about this this conversation we're engaged in right now. I would just add that though we haven't done explicit work connecting classrooms in Israel and Palestine, we do offer a number of programs where we want to meet the needs of communities wherever those differences may be in the world. And so we have programs that connect classrooms in the U.S. with peer classrooms in the Middle East and North Africa or the U.S. and Mexico or even within the United States across racial or socioeconomic differences. And we really 
work hard with folks like you, Elaine, to develop content and virtual exchange materials to help support the dialogue in a way that um, is equitable for both classrooms and is sensitive to the needs or a particular conflict. Well, I, I think that's one of the things I love about Empatico is that is that perspective that all of you are sharing right now. And so we're going to take a short break. I mean, I, I had a feeling that we were going to have, um, I think we've only gotten to like two of our questions. <laughs> we have a lot more to talk about. We may have to have <laughs> two of you all, but we'll see what happens the second part. So I'm just going to say to our listeners, we'll be back with um, my wonderful guest from Empatico in just in a couple of minutes, and we will continue this conversation. We have a lot more to talk about because I really want you that you also all hear about the framework. I think that's going to be important for us to elaborate elaborate upon during the second part. All right. Until we, in just a few minutes, we'll be back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma informed and resiliency focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at Elaine at ResiliencyWithin.com. Elaine Miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I'm here with Travis Hardy, Avani Mack, and Ryan Majeski. See, I said it, I said it twice correctly, Ryan. Um, and they are from Empatico, and they're telling us about the, their wonderful works, about how they, they cultivate empathy um, within children and how they support teachers. And so we're going to talk a little bit now about the actual framework. So Empatico has created what's called an empathy framework. So can you tell us about it? How do you define empathy? What makes your framework unique? 
So we define empathy as a skill that helps us understand and care about others' feelings and experiences and then take action to help someone based on those understandings and feelings. And so the framework is broken down into kind of a three-by-three grid. First, the three different dimensions of empathy, which you mentioned earlier, Elaine, emotional, cognitive, and behavioral. And then the way that three different ways that you can direct that empathy towards yourself, to other individuals, or to other groups um, who are maybe different from your own group. And so that creates this three by three grid of nine skills that are reinforced through our content library, which Ivani mentioned earlier, from mindfulness to diplomacy, perspective taking, self-care, kindness, et cetera. And so do any of the others want to say a little bit about the framework? Avani, I'm kind of curious from your perspective of being in the schools and how that, how you actually operationalize that. Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the great things about the framework um, is that it breaks it into like three manageable um, categories. Like I mentioned, sometimes teaching empathy can feel daunting and um, people don't know where to start. Um, and so it breaks it into those categories, whether it's looking at empathy, you know, through an emotional lens, cognitive or behavioral, whether you're wanting students to explore empathy as it is with themselves, with others in the world. And it further breaks it down into like skills. Um, and so, for example, um, mindfulness, you know, or um, self-awareness. And so I think one of the helpful things about that is in the classroom, you know, sometimes we lead with, okay, you know, we have content to cover, you know, um, and those things are important. But um, one thing that I've learned through um, the neurosequential model um, is that, you know, students need to feel regulated. Um, they need to feel um, related, like that they're connected to other students in the classroom and other and teachers in the building um, in order to reason, right, in order to learn. And um, I think at the end of the day, all of the learning is so that they can make a difference in the world. And I think that's one of the great things about the framework is that it meets you, you know, kind of at the regulating and the relating so that students can, um, can learn and they can thrive um, in an environment and I would just say, you know, for anyone who's wondering, you know, where to start um, as it in regards to empathy, the framework is a great, um, easy to access tool. Well, you know, one yeah. of the things I've heard from so many teachers is that, oh my gosh, another program, I'm already teaching so many things, kind of feeling overwhelmed by even if it's something they want to do, how do they do it? So I don't know, maybe Ryan or one of you could say something about the accessibility issue because if it's like too complicated, it's gonna it's hard for teachers to implement. So I don't know what you're Yeah. Way. Well, yeah. and I think the the empathy framework uh, for us is is our guiding light. Like it's it's not necessarily uh it's a tool to measure with, but it's not you know the the thing that you are are doing every day. Um and, and so I was gonna say about empathy building, like it it's like reducing hate in the future is a very big concept. And it's a really hard thing to say, I'm going to teach empathy in my classroom today. And so what we did with our framework, uh, one of our goals was to break these things down into teachable skills. You know, so you can measure a little bit better whether you're having mindfulness um, practices in your classroom or uh, you're, you're being an inclusive classroom or uh, taking steps for um, perspective taking or emotional recognition. These are things you can teach and work on as skills. And so it's a skill-based framework 
that then we apply to our activities, which are made first to satisfy the needs in the classroom of the teacher. I, I don't think any program is going to be successful without understanding and satisfying problems in the classroom right away. So our mindfulness activities are, are really built around those like morning rituals or or um, brain breaks that you need between sessions in the younger grades. Like that's, that is very easy to do, digestible, like two, three minutes, and you can do it. And when you do it, we are showing you how you're building self-awareness and self-care and mindfulness in the classroom. Similarly, uh, if you're doing maybe a, a longer uh, activity, and, and Travis is the architect of, of all this, so he can probably name five off the top of his head, but we could be integrating empathy building and the skills that we're working on of kindness or emotional recognition to uh, into the work you're already doing. So that's how it, it goes from being daunting to accessible, in my opinion. But Avani, you're, you're more in the weeds than me. I don't know if you want to uh, contradict everything I just said or not. No, I, 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 I can't contradict you, Ryan. I can't see her doing that. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I completely agree. Like your point about um, being able to incorporate the activities into pre-existing routines and structures um, is just one of the strengths um, of the activities. Um, morning meeting, closing circle, um, brain breaks. Um, you can even incorporate the activities into your pre-existing units. Um, and the nice thing is they're already mapped out for you. They're already done. It literally will walk you through step by step. So let's say in your classroom, you're feeling like, wow, you know, we could really work on kindness towards each other. And you're like thinking, how could I do that? What are some resources? You could essentially just go to the library, search through their kindness um, activities, and it will walk you through how to do that. Um, so some examples, they have like a helping hands activity, uh, friendship bingo. Um, and that's another thing, the activities are engaging. Um, so the students are excited about building the skills and implementing them because the way that the activities are framed are connected to things that kids already love to do. Um, I know when I was teaching in the classroom, bingo was always a hit, whether it was math bingo. And so just to see the students light up when they're learning about these crucial skills um, is amazing. And it's like I said, it's already mapped out for you. There's really no extra work you can, um, and it's customized to the needs of your classroom based on the fil filters that you select. Um, so it's a really valuable resource. Yeah, ahead. I just want to say one of the things I've seen about it when, you know, here's someone who didn't really know about Empatico until you contacted me was how tangible they were and how you could, oh, I could do that. That's not hard. You could, this is really, you can integrate this into almost any, any activity. And a lot of them were fun and kids like fun. Okay. I'm sorry, Ryan. I had to just add oh, that. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for the plug. I appreciate that. Yeah, okay. Uh, but going back to the framework itself, if you're an SEL nerd like me and Travis and Avani, <laughs> then you're probably aware of the, the CASEL framework. And that's sort of where we started uh, in our thinking, or uh, was how do we put a, an empathetic lens onto what uh, is being taught in CASEL? Uh, maybe I have a secret desire that SEL learning becomes SEEL learning, uh, that we can you know get empathy in there. But the um, the... The, the insight that we had of our empathy framework, which you could almost lay on top of the castle framework and it, it almost, you know, is literally a lens you put on top. It's very, very close. 
But what we wanted to do was instead of centering on maybe like the the institution or the concept, uh, like the Castle Framework does, was to center the practice on the individual or the student. And so at the very center, if you can imagine, if you're listening, our empathy framework is a, is a wheel. It's a circle with these rings that radiate outwards. And at the very center is the student or the individual. And that first ring is about connecting with yourself. And then as you as your empathy grows, your ability to, to be empathetic grows. And this sort of tracks along uh, the, the SEL trajectory of, of the education system where you know the first you know few years of your schooling is about becoming empathetic with yourself being mindful and then as that that grows it radiates outwards to the next ring which is connecting with your community and again centering it on the student and, and helping them learn how to connect with themselves and then with their community and then finally that third ring is you know these much bigger ideas of diplomacy inclusivity collaboration these are about connecting with the world around you or people outside your community and and it's my desire, and maybe Travis's desire too, is to to make that middle ring grow. And so, every you know, in in a in my perfect world, you know, everyone feels like part of your community, or you, the the sense of what is your community has expanded after you're you've finished the Empatico um, program. And of course, you know, the point of being a, a diverse and and exciting world is that there will always be people that are unlike you or that aren't part of your, your core community and having a way that you can build a way to be inclusive, collaborative and, and diplomatic, whether it's um, as a student or as you grow up into a global workplace or you're dealing with you know uh, international crises that are abounding uh, around us every day. Like th these are the skills that are most important to me. Sometimes in, I, this might be divisive, but I could say could be more important than than math or science or, or you know, some of these other skills we're learning. I think you're talking to the choir here. All say. right. Yes. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to come circle back to Travis, you know, Travis, I have so appreciated working with you um, in the times that we've worked over the last year and a half or so. Um, I'm going to, I hope I don't embarrass you, but I, you're very humble and you're very thoughtful. And I just love the way that you kind of contemplate the different, aspects of making something better. So being, I heard you say architect Ryan towards him. So I'd love your perspectives on what we're talking about right now, because I know you have so much wisdom. Well, I think one thing that came to mind was actually an activity that we worked on together, Elaine, our uh, three kind wishes meditation, which I think kind of captures what Ryan was just describing. Um, it's very simple. It's just a three minute meditation, but it, it weaves in all of those things. It's a, it's a love and kindness meditation where you're sending love and kindness towards yourself first and then towards another individual that you're close to and then to maybe a stranger or to someone who find it difficult to have empathy for. And I think it, it, that activity in a nutshell is kind of what we're trying to do. Um, and then the other thing that came to mind was um, in talking about you know empathy or an SEL being more important than other academic subjects, but we also see how empathy can connect to other subjects um, and build students resilience to learning uh, other academic subjects for example we have our coding with empathy program 
code.org came to us and said, we're really interested in learning about how empathy and SEL can make students more motivated to learn STEM or more interested in STEM careers. And so we've worked with them to create this program where students identify issues in their communities and then uh, have empathy for the people that they're trying to solve problems for and with, and then create these really cool projects to address a need in their community. So it it goes back to the your original accessibility question to Elaine of trying to make this easy for teachers to bring into their school day in different academic subjects and meeting people where they are. Well, I think the other thing, you know, you recently did um, some programming regarding the climate and you brought a lot of people um, from different backgrounds to talk about climate in ways that I think teachers and children can can hear and listen. I don't know if you want to say a little bit about that. I think climate is another one of those very important issues that many young people are interested in. But I guess I want everybody to know too that Empatico, the empathy also includes this vision of the larger world of children as part of that larger world. So go ahead, Travis. Tell them a yeah, little well- bit. Like you said, it's something that's on educators' minds. It's something that students are really anxious about. We've been talking a lot about eco-anxiety. And so this program that we developed called Empathetic Environmentalists brings classrooms together to try to take positive actions, empathetic actions towards addressing climate in their own communities and communities around the world. So through the program, they learn about climate change and its effects, and they explore stories of how different people around the world are impacted. They may interview a community member to learn how their own community has changed um, and the climate has changed over time and then build solidarity with a partner classroom to take action action together. Um, and so to address that eco-anxiety, we see that helping students see that they're part of a global community taking action can really help them kind of get past that anxiety and channel it in a positive way. So thank you for that, Travis, because I, I I was very excited about that programming and thinking about all the implications for kids. And maybe that brings me to Ivani again. Ivani, do you have anything you want to say about like curriculums like that, the ideas about like climate and other things that are also integrated in, in Empatico? Because I like that there's subject areas. People might think, oh, it's only empathy. Well, empathy is huge, but you know what I'm saying? It's like you can also apply it to these different parts of your curriculum. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one of the great things about Empatico. Um, I had the opportunity to participate in the Empathy Across America Race and Identity um, program. And that was um, one that was uh, specific to a topic. And we partnered with a class um, in Florida, actually. And like the goal of it was to connect with another classroom that was different in some way um, from your own so that they could explore um, discussing differences, um, how to take action in their community, um, and really just own um, their own identities as individuals. And uh, it was an amazing um, experience and just seeing kind of the learning happening before you, like you mentioned, um, Elaine, students lighting up when they saw the other students and having those Me Too moments and exchanging ideas and building upon ideas. Um, It's just great to see. And uh, it really helps the students to feel empowered um, and who they are and what they bring to the table. I remember specifically there was one activity that had to do with the power of someone's name and the role it plays in their identity. And we had lots of discussions about that. And I feel 
um, without the program, um, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Um, I've seen students just become more confident in who they are. Um, it allows for more representation. Um, we have students at our school from a variety of backgrounds and the conversational topics really allow them to feel seen um, and to share their story. And so, um, you know, there's a variety of different programs, whether it's, you know, climate, um, action or whether it's the program I described or whether you just want to delve into the resources that exist online, there's, you know, a little bit of everything. So I have another question that I think is important that we talk about before we end today, and that is, how do you see a connection between resiliency, healing, and empathy? So who would like to tackle that one first? Ryan? Well, I can go, I can go first and Travis can correct me. Uh, <laughs> uh oh, look at okay. Oh, you see that? <laughs> Executive director said you can correct him. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, when we talk about being, you know, building towards something or, or trying to build, when I look at our empathy framework, there's a lot about it that it seems like it's it's about preventative work or or um, proactive work, and what I think we don't talk about a lot is the role that empathy comes into conflict resolution and in uh, learning how to navigate conflict, how to negotiate, uh, how to see some uh, the other side of, of the, the conflict. And if you look at our empathy framework from that point of view, you know, that's it's a reactive model now, like something has happened, our empathy framework did not uh, prevent this uh, this crisis, but you can you know when someone is mindful, when someone has self awareness and is able to reach out and and be empathetic and be diplomatic and, and collaborative, like these are the ways that I I think empathy is you is essential for that type of conflict resolution that that we need or or taking steps to to prevent you know deeper traumas, um, but. Travis, I'm sure, you know, he thinks about this and has been working with you, Elaine, uh, yeah. so much uh, that I'm sure he has even more to say. All right, Travis. Yeah, I would just add to that. I mean, you mentioned earlier, Ryan, that the inner ring of the framework around the self, and we talked a lot about the importance of the self-care and the mindfulness, practicing mindfulness in order to build your own resilience and healing before you're ready to have, or you have the capacity to show empathy for others. So kind of filling your own bucket or putting your own mask on on the airplane first before you reach out to help others can make us actually better uh, and more empathetic people, even though that might be the opposite of kind of what we may have been taught that, that it's selfish to do that, but really it's, it's really important to take that time for self-healing. I heard a little girl, she was about nine, she told me once, you know, we use the languaging and you've, you know, adopted it with Empatico too, about the resilient zone, the okay zone and the high zone and low zone. And the little girl said, well, if I'm not in my resilient zone, I'm not going to be compassionate to anybody. <laughs> so I got to work on that first, right? She just knew it. So I think that's really wisdom. I mean, if because it is hard sometimes, right? I know it's hard for me when I see some things that happen in the world. I go, okay, how can I be empathic towards that person? Then I sometimes, okay, I'm going to think about that person that maybe they were 12 before something happened to them that changed them to be hateful. I, you know, honestly, I have to think like that 
to, and that's kind of one of the exercises, isn't it? Um, how we extend kindness to sometimes with people that are hard in our ethical system to think about in kindly ways. But if we don't, then what happens when we're trying to reconstruct things? Oh my goodness, how did this happen? You know that we only have four minutes left. We just this is just really sped by. All right, I'm going to invite you after the first of the year to come back if you would. I hope so for part two because there's so much more that I think we could talk about regarding the good works that you're doing. But I'm going to ask each one of you now um, if there's a parting word that you want to leave our audience with. And I'm going to start with Avani. Avani, what would you like to say? What would be your parting words? I would just encourage educators to get started. Um, like as I mentioned before, you know, um, empathy may seem like a big topic, but um, the resources are available to everyone. You can create an account. Um, don't feel overwhelmed. Um, they walk you through step by step. And I think um, I'm excited for those that do join to see all of those magical moments that happen in their class. And um, through implementing these activities, you really are building for a future. You're giving you know, students the skills that they need um, to go out and make a difference in the world. So just get started. Maybe start with one small activity, start with one exchange. Um, and I think you'll be surprised to see how um, it begins to change the culture in your class and even in your school. Hey, thank you. Okay, Travis, in 30 seconds or less. Well, I would just send a ton of gratitude to you, Elaine, for the, the work that we've been able to do together and the, the impact that it has on the kids that we work with. And I'm so grateful that our colleague Shreya reached out to you and that you responded and we've been able to, to connect over the years. And, and on that note, I think we're, we're very collaborative in how we approach our work and love working with folks like you. And so anyone who's interested in working with us should, should visit our website and reach out. And what's the website? Say it quickly. Empatico.org. Easy. Empatico.org. Okay, Ryan, you get the final word. Well, uh, I think I would take my final word and just thank Ivani for, for everything that she's been doing with us. Travis and I both work for Empatico. Ivani is like the the quintessential, like who we think about when we're trying to to make content. I, Ivani, I just want to say to you directly, I, I think uh, the work that you're doing is like the perfect personification of what we're trying to do. And so, you know, thank you very much. And if I were to throw in one last thing to everyone else, uh, I would say, you know, make the choice to make good things in the world. And I'm going to say thank you to the three of you for the work that you're continuing to do, because, you know, you realize you are the peacemakers that I talked about earlier. What you're doing is creating that in the present moment, and that is going to have implications for the future. And I, and I do think, like you do, Ryan, that you continue to do what you're doing, that it can mitigate hatefulness in the world. So this is, again, what else is true. And uh, so, again, thank you so much. And for our listeners, maybe think about what the uh, be kind being kind to yourself, being kind to someone you love, and maybe being kind to someone that you don't even know. So with that, I will end our Resiliency Within today. And again, a deep bow to all three of you and the work that you're doing. And Avani, thank you for working with our precious children and Travis for your architecture. And I can tell Ryan from your leadership. All right, a friend, a fellow Angelino. Thank you. <laughs> So until, we, so until we meet again, this is Resiliency Within signing off. 
Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.